This is Chris Dufault. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Kirkston, Minnesota. I'm pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman. We'll also hear a report from Sierra Doctor from New Orleans. Well, it's the final day of the National Cattlemen's Convention. NCBA Region 3 Vice President Mike Landit talks about the regional meetings held this week. You know, we, we started with meetings on Tuesday. We had the executive committee meeting and uh, just kind of went over the stuff that's came up since our last meeting in October. You know, finalized the stuff before, uh, before convention here. That was Tuesday morning. Then Tuesday afternoon, we held our regional meetings where uh, each of the states and in the region can get together and discuss their policy priorities and what's going ahead. And uh, one of the things we did in our region is the states talked about what policy they were bringing individual as a states and we also then voted to vote as a block when we got to the committee meetings. The Redwood County Minnesota rancher says policies that benefit some states may leave others at a disadvantage so making sure every voice is heard is important. The one we brought with being able to hay or graze CRP after the drought that we just recently had in Minnesota and the issues uh, you know so we're still trying to get it so that if your area goes to D3 you get back into being able to hay the CRP because we had a lot of areas of the state that were D2 all lined up to cut hay on the CRP then they flipped to D3 and got kicked out of being able to hay it so we're still trying to fix that but you know like I said it it had a totally different effect on people in other states and after listening to them I can see how that policy would hurt them as much as it helped our producers so we gotta take some time and try to bring it together so that doesn't have unintended consequences. The switch for certain antibiotics in the livestock industry from over-the-counter to prescription is coming up. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. New FDA regulations on antibiotics kick into effect in June. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Beef Cattle Veterinarian Julia Herman says FDA's goal is to lower resistance to antibiotics. This is one way to move forward so that these, these medically important antimicrobials are under veterinary oversight. And so having that veterinarian on board can help you decide if you're you know, making the right diagnosis, you're, making, you're choosing the right antibiotic. For those that already have that uh, really good relationship with their veterinarian, not much is going to change. Uh, the access to the, uh, the antimicrobials, like the antimicrobials themselves are not going away. There's just an extra step in being able to get them. Uh, so the producers who don't already have that VCPR, that veterinarian client patient relationship, uh, we encourage them to work on that now. Herman says some livestock producers may need to strengthen their veterinarian client relationship. Food and Drug Administration is implementing their guidance for industry 263 and so this is going to transition medically important antibiotics that are available over the counter and it, they're going to transition to prescription only and so that means that a veterinarian uh, will be needed to provide that prescription for these antibiotics. These are common antibiotics uh, that people might know of like our injectable oxytetracyclines, uh, injectable penicillins, our sulfaboluses. There are some intramammary products that are still over the counter but all of these are going to be moved to prescription only starting in June. This is part of FDA's overall goal of minimizing uh, antimicrobial resistance. 
Coverage of the National Cattlemen's Convention and NCBA trade show is made possible by Zoetis, A Country Farm Credit Services, Minnesota Beef Council, North Dakota Stockmen's Association, and North Dakota Beef Council. Brought to you by North Dakota Beef Farmers and Ranchers through the Beef Checkoff. Reporting Agriculture's Business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. The North Dakota House Ag Committee heard House Bill 1503 that would put uh, prohibit foreign ownership of property in the state. Extensive testimony was heard in, both in favor and in opposition of the bill. Many of those in favor of the bill cited security concerns. That bill currently tabled for later discussion. The North Dakota Senate Agriculture Committee heard and passed a bill that will designate livestock-friendly counties. Senator Robert Erbley introduced the bill explaining it would allow counties to have conversations and plan preemptively. Creating a livestock-friendly county I think opens up the discussion on a more community-wide basis where it allows the communities to actually get out there and discuss and say what do we want? What do we want in our backyard and, and, and what's missing and how, to, how do we how do we go about doing that? And so, just a brief summary of the bill. The commissioner shall establish a process including criteria and standards to recognize and assist efforts of counties to maintain or expand their livestock sector. A county that meets the criteria may apply to the commissioner to be designated as a livestock-friendly county. Herbaly says this would allow potential projects to choose suitable locations already considered by the counties with this specific designation. And the commissioner shall designate a county as a livestock-friendly county based on that county's efforts to maintain or expand its livestock sector. Rather than someone comes along and wants to do a project, they kind of do it in a vacuum and then get, get the back feed from what's happening in the counties. This way, the county has the discussion and says, yep, we're open, we're closed, we'd like it here, we wouldn't like it there. And then completion of a study identifying suitable locations for rural economic development, including confined animal feeding operations, agriculture processing and storage facilities, and other agriculture-related development. That bill, 2373, passed unanimously. Congressional Review Act petition has been filed in both the House and Senate, citing disapproval of the Biden administration's Waters of the United States rule. This is seen as a formal challenge to the WOTUS rule. Net farm income is being stressed by high farm input costs. North Dakota Representative Kelly Armstrong says Congress has a role in dealing with these costs. A consumer uh, will walk by uh, the retail meats case and the, and the first thing they always show you is beef and that they'll stop and grab you know, a, a chuck roast for $6.99 a pound. We need just a couple steps away, there's a pork loin for $1.99. That, that really says something about the strength of our industry and the strength of the products we're producing right now. Consumers love beef. They know it's healthy, they know it's going to taste great, and that's what they want to take home, and they're willing to pay that extra dollar or so for it. So I just uh, I hope everybody understands that this, this industry is strong right now, and we've got a lot of momentum uh, with consumers, and uh, they really like what we're doing. The weekly backlog status report from BNSF and Canadian Pacific Railways shows railcar dwell times improving at both carriers during the past week. Past due orders also improved from the previous week while total grain cars filled was higher. This is the Red River Farm Network. Strong rural communities depend on the ability to attract workers. Minnesota Representative Michelle Fishbach says that includes health care, housing and education very specific thing that I've been working on is that H-2A visa. Um, you know, we had some, we had some uh, discussions last year in the farm 
Workforce Modernization Act, but it never made it through the Senate. I mean, I know there was negotiations going on, and maybe someone will revive part of it now, but but I look at the H-2A, and if we can start there, and we can start to move forward and take that seasonality, you know, the seasonal um, restrictions off of it and some of the price restrictions off of it, maybe we can get things moving and, and kind of stop that, like, move that logjam that we have right now with those visas and that workforce issue. The entire interview with Fishbot can be found on the Red River Farm Network website. USDA's weekly grain transportation reports. A Class 1 railroads originated 22,000 grain carloads during the week ending January 21st. That's down 21% from the previous week and 5% less than last year. The average February shuttle rail car secondary bids and offers were $229 below tariff. That's $477 less than last week, $1,400 less than last year. Barged grain movement totaled 627,000 tons, down 6% from the previous week, but 28% more than a year ago. Cost to ship a metric ton of grain to Japan was unchanged from last week, 51.50 from the Gulf Coast, 28.25 from the Pacific Northwest. Foreign ownership of land was a topic before a property rights and management committee meeting at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association meeting in New Orleans. South Dakota Cattlemen's Association Vice President Warren Simmons says two resolutions were brought before the committee. They wanted to scrutinize the ownership of U.S. egg land uh, by foreign persons, companies, and that kind of thing. And basically they just wanted the USDA to have a hand in that and be able to have the Secretary of Ag be involved in that committee that scrutinizes that. And that did pass 72 to 43, but it's, it's a, a slope that some people aren't willing to go down because they're, they don't like the idea of the federal government having control over what states and citizens do with their land that way. One that failed was going to restrict uh, sale of ag land to certain countries, and it listed certain countries, and that one failed. A crop-type multi-parallel livestock insurance has also been discussed. It's a process by which you can insure your calves and insure your, your profit, basically. It's, it's a, a profit insurance and a calf weight insurance, kind of like you would have for uh, grain or any other crop, but now you can, there's ways to insure. And it's, it looks like it's going to gain some traction. It looks like a good deal, and, and it'll help guys out with disasters and things like that when you lose lose calves in a blizzard or you lose calf weights due to a drought and that kind of thing. Genetics and technology have changed the landscape for what crops are being grown in the Red River Valley over the past decade or so. Channel Seed District Sales Manager Mike Dufault says he's really seen the change in corn acres in his area. I'm from pretty far north, and, and I would say that soybean acre has been here for probably 10 or 15 years in a very strong way, especially in a lot of areas uh, east into Minnesota. Uh, I think for me probably the change is the corn acre because, uh, and I think that's really genetically driven. Corn used to be uh, 120 to 130 average uh, per acre uh, yields. And, and now, I mean, we have products that'll drive 200. Dufault says watching the shift has been exciting. We see that corn acre creeping north uh, more and more every year, uh, all the way to the Canadian border. And, and we're raising hybrids that would have never been dreamed of before, you know, 85-day hybrids at the border, uh, where in the past that was never something that we would have even thought of. So uh, the, the thought process has changed in, in the northern corn farmer's mind, and, and, and that's exciting. So we get to help be part of that change, and uh, that's kind of what we, why we do what we do. 
The grain market continues its two-sided sloppy trade. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzlo says demand will break that trend. The initial mindset going into the end of the 2022 trading year was that we don't have the demand yet in the grains. I, I think you can back away from that mindset, and you can't really justify that man- mindset other than the poor weekly export sales in wheat on Thursday. But for the most part, we've had really good exports. We, we've seen corn really come on on the export demand front, and, and even wheat. And the fact that we were the cheapest corn out there for Egypt on a tender uh, earlier this week at $300 FOB, that really shows you that our prices are competitive again. And so as long as the dollar doesn't shoot higher, I think the trade is on the sidelines right now, ready to come back. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Mickle Pates. Mickle, one last time. What's on the cover for Ag Week? Well, this is a story uh, that I've been really waiting to cover, and uh, I didn't really figure it out until I went to the Sioux Falls Farm Show. And here was this company, Volatant, that is from Nebraska, and they are uh, putting together uh, drones that supply both. Um, liquid and dry fertilizer seed to uh, kind of field size applications. I've seen some of this with smaller drones where they spot sprayed, but I've always wondered when this would would happen. I've seen some stories about, or I've written some stories that have uh, to do with people trying this, but this is uh, uh, a drone made by DJI, and it's a... uh, uh, a Chinese maker that is uh, has these high capacity drones. So you you know ten and a half gallons of liquid uh, that you can put out over. You can send out the drone drone for three quarters of a mile back, three quarters of a mile, and and then eight minutes later you fill it up and change the battery. It's it's quite an amazing um, uh, piece of technology, and uh, I just am glad to have seen it. Michael, you are starting a new chapter in your life. I'm going into a different phase here where I'm going to try to do some things other than work, but uh, I'm also going to do a few freelance things uh, back to Ag Week and other places. And, and so uh, I'll miss, uh, you know, everyday deal in a way. And in another way, I'll be glad to, to look out a different window. Well, congratulations and good luck. I appreciate it. Thank oh, you very much. Thank you. Let's check market numbers before we leave you here this afternoon. March wheat, Minneapolis down two and three quarters. Chicago's down four. Kansas City down six. March corn's now a penny and a half higher. March soybeans down two cents. Canola trading $7.40 a metric ton higher. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This is the Red River Farm Network.